Come on, many of you already know, I, most of our 20-something years of ministry, we, we served as an evangelist slash revivalist. And so that's in our hearts. That's in our DNA. That's what's in our spirit. It is, it is the move of God. It is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't know by now, Set Free Church is a center point for the move of God in the upstate of South Carolina. You say, well, when's the next revival of what you and I may know as a revival as a series of services? We don't know. I'm not against that. I, I did that all of my life. But can I tell you what, what I found to be true? When you get out of the way and let God be God every Sunday, you, you don't always need all of that kind of other stuff. Amen. See, half of y'all didn't understand that. But I'm telling you, every time we gather together, we in a move of God. We in an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And I don't take that lightly. I don't take that for granted. But I give God the praise for a people that are hungry and that are thirsty for the manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is you, my friend. That is you, my brother and my sister. And we're going higher. We're going deeper in the things of God. So I'm going to tell you, don't buckle up today, but take your seatbelts off. And get ready for what God is about to do in the house today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 5. 2 Chronicles chapter 5. And we're going to look starting in verse 2. 2 Chronicles chapter 5. Starting in verse 2. When you have that, say amen. And the word of the Lord says this, Now Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief fathers of the children of Israel in Jerusalem, that they might bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord up from the city of David, which is Zion. Therefore all the men of Israel assembled with the king at the feast, which was in the seventh month. So all the elders of Israel came, and the Levites took up the ark. Then they brought up the ark, the tabernacle of meeting, and all the holy furnishings that were in the tabernacle. The priests and the Levites brought them up. Also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who were assembled with him before the ark were sacrificing sheep and oxen, that could not be counted or numbered for multitude. Now look at this. Then the priests brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place. Somebody say to its place. Into the inner sanctuary of the temple. To the most holy place. Under the wings of the cherubim. Go with me to verse 11. And it came to pass... When the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. And the Levites, who were the singers, all those of Asaph and Heman and Judithan, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, string instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass 
when the trumpeters and singers were as one. Somebody say one. To make what? One sound. Somebody say one sound. To be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. That the house... The house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Can I tell you, my friend, it is my prayer and it is my desire that that cloud filled this house yet again. You didn't hear what I said today. I said it's my heart's cry that the cloud, the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God, the presence of Yeshua Christ Jesus will fill the temple, will fill the house of God all over this nation once again. To the point that we can't even conduct business as usual. My God, the lights just went out. I said to the point that we cannot conduct business as usual. Do you notice what happened when the cloud filled the house? When the glory of the Lord filled the temple? Do you realize what the scriptures say happened? It said that even the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud. Can I tell you as one of the pastors of this beautiful body of believers it would not bother me one second if the cloud of the glory of God would be so thick in this house that we couldn't even move forward with our order of service because of what King Jesus is doing in the house today. Because let me tell you what I've already come to a conclusion with. That if it does not, if it's not the presence of God, if it's not the glory of God, what are we doing anyways? I said, what are we doing anyways? Because I realized a long time ago, my brother and my sister, that it's not by might nor by power, but it is by the Spirit of the Lord. You see, what I see in our text scripture today in 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 7, I read it again. It says, Then the priests brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place. You got to understand that King Solomon, he had already erected the temple. He had already put such fine detail, intricate details from the time you walked up on the premises of, of everything that God had instructed him to do. Every fine, intricate detail he had already accomplished. So Solomon is preparing the nation of Israel, that it's time to dedicate the temple of the Lord. It's time to dedicate the house of God. But before they could move forward in their festivities, before they could move forward in their programs, before they could move forward in their celebration, the ark of the Lord had to be put into position. You didn't hear what I said today. 
What is the ark of the Lord symbolic of? The ark of the Lord is symbolic of the very presence and the glory of God. What was King Solomon saying in fact? He said before we can take another step in this ministry, before we can take another step in this dedication, before we can take another step in our service as unto the Lord, the ark of the covenant must be positioned in place. What was he saying we've got to have his presence we've got to have his glory he said the ark of the Lord must be put in its place can I tell you that his presence is our priority as set free church I can't speak for every church up and down 153 in our communities. But as for Set Free Church, his presence is our number one priority. I said it's our number one priority. It's not our second priority. It's not our third priority, but it's our number one priority because it's in his presence that yokes can be destroyed. It's in his presence that marriages can be restored. It's in his presence that prodigal sons and daughters can come back home. I said his presence must be our priority. You see, the presence and the glory of God must have first place in our lives and in the life of the church. May I remind you of what this year is all about? What you have heard from your pastoral staff since the very beginning, January the 1st of this year, that 2023 is the year of what? It's the year of the reset. What are we resetting? We're resetting the church. We're resetting the atmosphere of the church. And what is our desire? What is the purpose of this great reset? It is to bring us back to glory. I said it's to bring us back to glory. And see, see, some of us in this place today, we're satisfied with business as usual. I already know that because I see your countenance today. I see some of you looking at this right here. Well, that lets me know that half of us in this place, we're satisfied with business as usual. We're satisfied with a three or four set song, worship song list for Sunday morning. We're satisfied with taking up our little offering, doing our little accolades, our little patty cakes. We might lift up our hand halfway. We're satisfied with a three-point flowery message that will motivate us, that will caress us even in our backslide our rebellion and our disobedience and then just pat us on out the door that's what we're satisfied with but if that's what you satisfy with I come to let somebody know today you in the wrong building for 4415 highway 153 we're going after the glory of God we're going after the presence of God we're being reset to get back to glory my God, my God, my God. I don't know where Mr. Aaron Bowen is, but I wish he'd get out here. I said it must be first place in our lives and in the life of the church. We're getting back to the glory of God. Can I tell you today that there is no substitute for the presence of God? Huh? 
I said there is no substitute for the presence of God. You see, for decades now, in the North American church, we have tried to substitute everything that we can for the presence and the glory of God. But where has that gotten us? Church as a whole is in decline across denominational barriers. You don't believe that? Go visit some of them. Baptisms are at a decline. Conversions are at a decline. The move of God is definitely at a decline. Why is that? Because we have substituted everything that we can for the presence of God. Can I tell you, we walk up into a lot of churches today, you might as well write Ichabod over the doorposts because you can't even find God. You can't even sense his presence. You can't even see his glory in the house any longer. And it's because we have not been intentional about making his presence and his glory first priority. Number one priority. I'm going to tell you again, there's no substitute for the presence of God. You see, his presence is more important than our programs. I'm going to say it again. Thank you, Sister Barbara. His presence is more important than any program that we're a part of. Is there anything wrong with programs? No, there's not. I thank God for programs. I thank God for every ministry that we have in this house. I thank God for the greeter ministry. I thank God for the usher ministry. I thank God for our kids ministry. I thank God for the youth ministry. I thank God for set free praise. I thank God for every dynamic ministry that we have in this house. I thank God for the alabaster house. I thank God for predestined team. I thank God for every ministry, outreach minister that we're a part of. But as good as all of these ministries and all of these outreaches are, let me tell you, if the presence of God is not thick upon it, it will not amount to anything. Did you hear what I said today? I said the presence of God is greater than all of our programs. It's greater than everything that we do that we classify as church. I said it's greater. It's greater. Because if we're going to make an impact in this generation for such a time as this, we got to get back to being people of the presence of God. He said that the ark of the Lord had its place. His presence, his glory, it must have priority in our life and in the life of the church. I said his presence is greater than our programs. There's so many churches around town today that they're so programmed. I mean, they're programmed literally to death. I mean, it's like clockwork. You, there's no surprises anymore in the house of God. We come in and we start promptly on time. We do our thing. We sing our song. We do our dance. And we move right along in the service. I mean, it's just like clockwork. Now, I'm not against order. The Bible still says let everything be done decently in order. I'm not against order, but let me tell you what I am against. Order that leaves no room for the presence of God. Last Sunday, we had an interruption in our service, and guess what? As far as I'm concerned, that was okay. Pastor Steve put his seal of approval on that thing too. Let me tell you, that's what we need more of. 
outbursts of the presence and the glory of God in our midst. I said his presence is more important than our programs. Let me submit this one to you. So look at your neighbor and say, hold on. His presence is more important than our preference. Well, pastor, why does it got to be so loud? <laughs> pastor, why do we got to have all of these lights? We look like a club. Or some of you rednecks, we look like a honky-tonk. Huh? Pastor, why do we have to have the smoke machines? Let me go ahead and tell you something today. We don't have to have any of those things. We choose to have them because that's what we want to have. But do we have to have them? No. Can I tell you that the lights, the cameras, the smoke machines, they are not a substitute for the presence and the glory of God. If there comes a day that all of that goes out the window, guess what? We still got his presence. We still got his glory. And it's in the presence of the Lord where there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. I said his presence is greater than your preference. And see, the reason why some of y'all not experiencing what others in this place are experiencing as revival and the move of God and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost is because you've allowed your preference to supersede the presence of God in your life. Well, if Pastor Mark just don't sing it the way I want him to sing it. Huh? You know, what about the old hymns of the church? Oh, my God. I'm getting somebody's golden calf right now. Nothing wrong with hymns. I was brought up on the hymns. But if you got to have a hymn to enter into the presence of God, that's your problem. You worship in a style more than you worship in King Jesus. Well, pastor, you know, you, we, we, we got to have it like this. And it's got to look like this. And it's got to sound like this. Who said? Who said? Because the last time I read my Bible, the prophet Isaiah declared that behold, God is doing not an old thing. He's doing a new thing. And some of y'all going to miss the new move of God because you thought it was going to come in the same packaging. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss what God's doing. I don't want to miss this next move of God because I thought it was going to look like the revival at Dry Oak Assembly of God in 2013. Let me tell you, it's changing. God is changing. His character, His attributes don't change, but His methods change all of the time. I said His presence is greater than our preferences. Come on. You got to lay down your preferences. You got to lay down how you want it, when you want it. And you got to say, you know what, God, all of that dies at the altar today. It don't matter what it sounds like. It don't matter what it feels like. As long as your presence is in the house, that's all that matters. I said his presence is our priority. Look, notice on in 2, Corinthians, 2 Chronicles chapter 5. It keeps talking about the priest. The priest. The priest. And then it keeps talking about what we just identified as the Ark of the Covenants, which I already told you was symbolic of the presence and the glory of God. Do you realize that under the Old Covenant, 
Do you realize that not just anybody could access the presence of God? Do you realize that under the old covenant, that not just anybody could go into the holy of holies, into the throne room of God beyond the veil? There was only one person. I said there was only one person that could go beyond the veil to where the Ark of the Covenant was located, to where the presence and the glory of God was. How many knows who that one person was? It's the high priest. The high priest. But can I tell you the good news of the gospel? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but should have everlasting life and because Jesus came and lived a sinless and a blameless life for over 30 years and he gave his life on the cross of Calvary and he shed his blood on the cross for you and I can I tell you the Bible says that on that day that dark gruesome ugly day when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he said those three notable life changing world changing words it is finished the Bible says there was an earthquake all over Jerusalem. The temple itself shook. The dead were getting back up again. The, Jesus took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And the Bible says that the veil, that veil that once separated humanity from God, it was torn from top to bottom, giving us free access into the very presence and the glory of God. I said our text says priests, 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 priests the ark of the covenant, the ark of the covenant what's the revelation for you and I today? Get ready some of you are going to think I'm a heretic that's alright, I've been called worse some of you are going to think I'm blasphemous that's alright let me give you the good news of the gospel let me give you a revelation that will change your life if you receive it I said under the old covenant only one figure could go beyond the veil could access the Ark of the Covenant, could enter into the presence of God, and that was the high priest. But because Jesus came, and because he bled and died for humanity, those of us who have surrendered our hearts and our lives to him, those of us who have been washed in the red blood of Jesus Christ, those of us who have entered into this new covenant with him, let me tell you, my Bible says that because of him, we all have become priests as unto the Lord. I said we're a royal priesthood. We're a peculiar generation. God's raising up priests and kings all over the land today. What does that mean for you and I today? I don't need nobody to take me there. I don't need nobody to take me to the presence of God. I don't. I know this is not proper English, but that's alright. I don't need nobody to take me beyond the veil because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I have access to everything heaven, heaven has for us. I am a priest unto the Lord. You are a royal priesthood. You want to know what some of our problem is today? Pastor Mark, I'm going to help you. We put so much pressure on that man. We put so much pressure on these amazing musicians and these psalmists and these vocalists and this praise team. We come in after arguing and cussing out our wife or our husband, after beating our children. 
I mean, all of the cares and the baggage of this life, we come bringing it in every Sunday. And we wait on Pastor Mark and his team to carry us into the presence of God. That's why he's got to sing three, four, five songs before you finally get a breakthrough. But let me tell you something. I learned a long time ago. I'm not waiting on the pastor. I'm not waiting on the worship leader. I'm not waiting on the deacon. I'm not waiting on the elder. I'm not waiting on the Sunday school teacher. I'm not waiting on some hotshot evangelist or revivalist. I'm not waiting on the prophet. I'm not waiting on the apostle. But you know why? Because I'm a royal priesthood. And the blood of Jesus has been applied to my heart's door. And I have the ability to go beyond the veil into the holy of holies. Into the presence of God. You see, if every one of us would develop that mindset, I'm telling you what miracle signs and wonders could happen every week because we're not going to wait on a man to take us there. We're going to come in ready. We're going to come in pumped up, proud, ready to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I dare you. I said I dare you next Sunday. Don't you come in here half-baked. Don't you come in here, you done been fighting with everybody on the way down the road. Come in here saying, well, I know Pastor Mark, he always does it right. He's going to take us there. No, you come in ready. You come in pumped up. You come in primed up, just like Barbara Terry, just like Melissa Hunter, just like some of these other fireball women in this place. You come in here pumped up and ready to go and watch God move in your life. I said the revelation is that you and I, we're the priests by the blood of Jesus Christ, which means we have access into his presence. But guess what else? Not only are we the priests, but how many knows that through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the sacrificial atonement of Jesus Christ, we are the Ark of the Covenant. See, I done lost half of you right there. Some of y'all think that's blasphemous. What do I mean by that? Can I tell you under the old covenant, it was that Ark of the Covenants. That box, if you will, that enthroned the very presence of God. That's why King Solomon said, we're not taking another step in this dedication to the Ark arrives and gets in its proper place. That was the very presence and the glory of God. It was all enthroned and encased with what we call as the Ark of of the covenants can I tell you today that because of the blood of Jesus Christ my Bible tells me that I am the temple I am the sanctuary I am the dwelling place of his presence of his glory of the Holy Spirit of God let me tell you God's not just in one building he's not just in one space he's not just in one region he's the God of all of the nations of the world and what God is doing right here at Set Free Church he's doing today in China he's doing today in India he's doing doing today in Russia. He's doing it all over the nations of the world. I'm telling you today, not only are you a priest as unto the Lord, but you are the very ark of the covenants. You are the house and the home of the presence.
presence and the glory of God. You see, I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting on somebody to take me there. Let me take a step farther. Not only am I not waiting for someone to take me beyond the veil into the holy place. To take me into the presence and the glory of God. But see, some of you today, you're waiting on just the right atmosphere. Huh? You're waiting on just the right atmosphere before you get your praise on. Huh? You're waiting on the right atmosphere before you get your worship on. You're waiting on the right atmosphere before you can receive anything from the Lord. And that's why you're still waiting. And that's why you see other people you're so jealous of. God's moving in them, on them, and through them. And you wonder where in the world's God at? You see, the problem is, too many of us, we're waiting on all of the conditions of the atmosphere to be favorable for me to worship, for me to praise, for me to open up my mouth, for me to lift up my hands, for me to fall prostrate before the Lord. I'm not waiting another moment for Pastor Mark to set the atmosphere. I'm not waiting another moment for Pastor Steve to set the atmosphere. You better not wait another moment for Pastor Caleb or Pastor Landon to set the atmosphere. I'm telling you what, you you are a glory carrier. You didn't hear what I said today. I said you are a glory carrier. What does that mean? I don't wait on the right atmosphere. I come into a place and I shift the atmosphere. Hey, Shetebe Rebbe Shatanabahaya. You keep waiting. You keep waiting till they sing your song. You keep waiting till they have it at the volume and the tempo you want it to be. You keep waiting until the air condition set at the most comfortable place for you. You keep waiting for all of this other stuff. But I'm telling you what, when I come into a place because the greater one lives on the inside of me, his presence and his glory, I can come into the most driest, deadest place. And by the resurrection power of Yeshua Christ Jesus, I can shift the atmosphere. Hey, somebody look at your neighbor and say, I'm about to shift the atmosphere. Glory to God. How many knows? I got, I got to move on. How many knows the law of gravity? What does the law of gravity state? The law of gravity states that what goes up must come down. What goes up must come down. Can I tell you, growing up in the old school church, I remember the saints of God, they used to say it like this. When the praises go up, the blessings come down. You say, well, where's my blessing? I want my blessing. Have you had a radical praise to Jesus yet this morning? Come on, you've had every opportunity. 
You've had every moment. You've had every reason to give God a radical praise. You sit there with your arms crossed if you want to. You sit there with a look. I wish that preacher would shut his mouth if you want to. But I'm telling you what, there's a law that applies not just in the natural, but in the spirit of God that what goes up must come down. I said what goes up must come down. You see, when you give God your praise, his presence comes down. When you give God your worship, his glory comes down. I've been accused all of my life. Well, Pastor Caleb, you always trying to work up something. No, I'm not. I'm trying to work down something because I realize that everything we need can be found in the presence and the glory of God. Let me submit this. Listen, 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 listen. Let me submit this to you. I'm about to mess up some of y'all's theology. Is that all right? I said the law of gravity states what goes up must come down. Can I tell you that's what happened in the temple on this day? Something went up and the cloud come down. Something went up and the glory of God come down. See, you wonder where God's at. Have you allowed anything to come up out of your mouth? Have you allowed anything to come up through your hands extended? Come on, you say it don't take all of that. I don't have to do all that. That's your problem. You bought into the deceptions of man-made tradition and religion. Let me tell you what, if you're really hungry for more of God, if you're really thirsty for more of God, you don't care what people think about you. You don't care what they say about you. You don't care how they gossip about you. Let them talk, honey. I'm a worshiper. I'm a praiser. And I love his presence. Let me tell you something. Listen. I said, what goes up, according to the law of gravity, must come down. How many knows just over 2,000 years ago, after Jesus walked this earth for 33 years, and he gave his life on the cross, he shed his blood, took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. The Bible says on the third day, <laughs> on the third day, he got back up again. He was resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible goes on. It says he dwelt upon this earth, revealing kingdom truths and principles to the disciples. And then on the mountain, weeks later, the mountain of ascension. You know the story. The Bible says that Jesus ascended back, just as the scriptures declared he would do. He ascended back to be where? To be at the right hand of the Father. To make intercession for you and I. Don't you ever say nobody's praying for me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody loves you. Let me tell you, Jesus is praying for you. I said Jesus is interceding for you. I said Jesus is whispering your name to the Father. I said what goes up? How many knows Jesus went up? must come down see for too long in the church we've had our theology mixed up and that's why growing up in the church we sang songs like this Bobby send it on down send it on down 
Lord, let the Holy Ghost come on down. Send down the rain, Lord. Send down the rain, Lord. Lord, send down that latter rain. You remember those songs? We always calling down the Holy Ghost. We always calling down the Holy Ghost. Like he's sitting up on the, in the portals of heaven waiting for an invitation to step into our life, to step into the church. Can I remind you, the law of gravity states that what goes up must come down. And 2,000 years ago when Jesus left this earth and he ascended, he went up to be at the right hand of the Father. Can I tell you, because he went up, something, or shall I say someone, came down. And that someone is the third person of the Godhead who is the Holy Ghost. I'm not praying that it comes down. I'm telling you, he's on the inside of you. I said He's on the inside of you. By the blood of Jesus, I said what goes up must come down. He's not coming down. He's here. He's been here for 2,000 years ago. And let me tell you, he lives on the inside of you. He lives on the inside of you. He lives on the inside of you. I'm not praying that something comes down. I'm praying that something will come up on the inside of me and come out of my mouth, come out of my hands. Let me move on. The Bible says that when they gathered in the temple, 2 Chronicles chapter 5, all of the psalmists, the worshipers, the musicians, they all gathered together. The Bible says they became one. Speaking of unity, you want to know why we're not seeing a move of God in the majority of our churches today? Because there's no unity. Huh? We bought into the lies of secular society and culture that knew what they were doing with things such as politics to separate us and to divide us, with things such as racism and prejudicism to separate us and to divide us. Well, you can't go to church with them, they don't accept you. You can't go to church on that side of town. No, 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 no. You'll get robbed. You'll get mugged. I've heard it all. You can't go over there because the majority of them are Republicans. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I said we've allowed everything in our society and our culture to bring division even in the house of God. But when I look around this church... And I see people that does not look like me. Oh, my God. I see people that do not dress like me. Come on. They got holes in their jeans. They got earrings in their ears. I'm about to make some religious Pharisees mad today. I wish, I wish some of them were watching right now. Because I love to make them mad. Jesus loved to make them mad, too. I'm just trying to fulfill the ministry of Jesus. They don't look like me. Come on. They don't, they, not all of us have a three-piece suit on today. Guess what? That's all right. That's the traditions of men. Not all of us have a dress that goes all the way down to our ankle and all the way down to our wrist. You know what? That's all right. As long as you modest before the Lord, I don't care what you got on. 
Not everybody has the same white pigmentation that I've got. And you know what? I love it. Because when I look across this church, I see red, yellow, black, and white. And can I tell you what? If you got a problem with that, you're not going to the heaven that I'm going to. Because my Bible says in Revelation that on that day, there'll be representatives from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every race, every creed, all gathered around the throne room of God. I said they all gathered. They all gathered. So many different musicians. So many different singers. I'm going to go ahead and ask our team to come on up. And they all gathered from different walks, different backgrounds, different titles, different callings, different anointings. And they all gathered in the temple on that day. And the Bible says that they became one. They became one. And they made what? One sound. I'm preaching on one sound today. Before we can make one sound, we've had to do it. But before we can do it, can I tell you today that there's a difference between noise and there's a difference between sound. Do you hear what I said? I said there's a difference between noise and there's a difference between sound. The word noise has somewhat of a negative connotation, right? It typically implies that a sound is unpleasant. It is disruptive. It is undesirable. And can I tell you, there are many people in the church today that are making a lot of noise. Making a lot of noise, but they're not making a sound. Can I tell you, it's time that the church rise up and make one sound again. I said there's many in the church today, they're making a lot of noise. Speaking in tongues, nothing wrong with it. Prophesying, nothing wrong with it. Laying hands on the sick, nothing wrong with it. We're called to do all that. If you're a follower of Christ, you've been anointed to do all of that. But can I remind you of what the apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth? In chapter 13 and verse 1, he said, Though you speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but if you have not love, you have become what? A sounding brass and a clanking cymbal. In other words, you become nothing more than a nuisance and a noise. And you see, unfortunately, that's where a lot of our quote-unquote Pentecostal churches are at. They're making a lot of noises, a lot of ruckus, but there's no manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of them. Don't show me how much you can speak in tongues, but when you leave this place, you cuss at your neighbor. It don't mean nothing in the ears of God, and it don't mean nothing in my ears. Oh, pastor, I'm a prophet. I prophesy. I got a word for everybody. But when you leave this place and you go to your favorite restaurant, you treat your waiter and your waitress like garbage. Sit down. I said you all noise but there's no sound in you you see noises come from a place of disobedience they come from a place of rebellion they come from a place of pride and a place of arrogance but the sound it comes from a place of faith a place of obedience a place of brokenness a place of purity and a place of unity that's where the sound comes from. 
Can I tell you today, as we saw in our text, that before that one sound was released, what had to happen? What had to precede the sound? Unity. Unity precedes the sound. That's why in verse 13 of 2 Chronicles 5, it says, And indeed it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one. Speaking of unity. To make one sound. Unity precedes sound. But let me take it a step further. We fast forward to Acts chapter 2 that all of us as Pentecostals and Charismatics love. And guess what? That same principle that unity precedes sound is implied even there on the day of Pentecost. For what did it say? When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with what? One accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Can I tell you that it still implies to you and I today that unity precedes the sound. If we want to release that one sound, that one sound that'll get God's attention, that'll get heaven's attention, that'll cause heaven to invade our space, heaven to invade our region, heaven to invade our family and our home, we must be unified together. For unity precedes the sound. And the sound, listen to me, the sound precedes the supernatural. I said unity precedes the sound. And the sound precedes the supernatural. What happened in 2 Chronicles 5? When they unified, they became one. They released one sound. The Bible says that the cloud came into the temple. The glory of God came into the temple. In Acts chapter 2, they unified one mind, one accord, one place. And because of their unity, the Bible says a sound was released. And because the sound was released, the supernatural showed up. Fire showed up. Holy Ghost showed up. The wind of heaven showed up. Can I tell you today, I don't know what you're in need of. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. You may need a miracle. You may need a divine intervention. You may need a breakthrough. You may need signs and wonders in your life. God, to show up and to show out. It's going to take you unifying together with those of like mind and like spirit. And it's going to take us coming together in unity to release one sound just like they did in the temple in 2 Chronicles 5. And when we unify, when we become one and we release that one sound, the supernatural will show up. The miraculous will show up. The God of miracle signs and wonders will show up because the sound precedes the supernatural. Notice in our text, and I'm closing with this, all sorts of musicians and psalmists, singers, worshipers, they came together as they were preparing to dedicate the temple of the Lord. And I want to give you just a, an example that will help hopefully bring some reality to what I'm trying to preach to you today and deliver to you today. Just as you see, continue to play, guys. Just as you see before you that we're so blessed with every Sunday, Set free praise. Just as you see before you, let me tell you, every musician and every instrument is different and unique. 
I said every musician and every instrument that they hold in their hands is different and unique. And each of them releases an individual sound. I'm talking about one sound today. Every one of them are individual. Every one of them are different. Every one of them are unique. And every one of them release a different sound. Every singer, every psalmist, every vocalist up here before you today, they are different. They come from different walks of life, different stories, different backgrounds. When they open up their mouth and they use the instrument of their vocal abilities, each of them release a different, unique, yet powerful sound. But if we ever get to a place of unity, and every one of them, every musician, every instrument, and every voice comes together in unison. They release such a powerful, powerful sounds. So I want to show, we're going to do a little exercise. Stand to your feet all over this place. We're going to do a little exercise today. And I think y'all have already got it planned. And who's going to start this thing off? But we're going to start on this side, and each of these musicians are going to release their sound individually. Now go ahead now. Go ahead and get out of the flesh. I want you to get your mind in the spirit. Get your heart in the spirit today, because God's about to do something in this house. There's about to be a sound of heaven that's about to be released in this house. But I want to give you a little example of what I'm preaching on. And we're going to start right over here, and every musician and every instrument is going to release an individual sound. Releases a different sound. But now, all together, guys. Did you hear that? I said, did you hear that? I said, every one of them are different. Every one of them hold a different instrument in the hand. Every one of them releases a different sound. But when they unify and they come together, 